What? You can't say just because you saw a magpie that it's the last thing you need. It is. <laughs> I can look at it. I don't need to be seeing a magpie out the window while I'm recording a podcast. Oh, there's two. Yes, yes, yes. Get in. Hey, everyone. If I sound a bit bunged up, that's because I am. I uh, probably should have squirted some Cynex up my nose before we start. It doesn't matter. Anyway. There's still uh, time. Listen. Wait, if, you can press pause. If someone came at you, right, everyone. Yeah. And with their arms outstretched, you went, would you or would you not think they were about to tickle you? If they weren't heading for a, a, a typically ticklish spot. If they were uh, heading for a neutral... The sides of their, their torso. No, the is, middle of the torso. I couldn't see that. I was stretching at the time. But... If you if their fingers aren't waggling in a an indication of I couldn't say that either. Tickling, All I see, saw was you lunge at me, lunge at me, and make the noise, which is which is the international noise for tickling. But the hands were not in a tickling motion. They I didn't see that in a, in a way to indicate upcoming tickling. They it, were flat. Right. And what did you say? I wasn't going to tickle you. You said right. If I, wasn't. I if I lunged at someone with a rub your if I lunged at someone with a knife, not with the intention of stabbing them, they'd have every right. They'd have every right in the world to go. Oh, I thought you were going to stab me. Well, by your logic, only if they were going, <laughs> which is like the international sound of stabbing. That's no, not. What's the international accent? <laughs> 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 That's what everyone does when they stab someone. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's very flamboyant stabbing. Uh, Before yeah. we continue. Uh, this I is just... by the way, can I just say what, yeah. what our podcast is? This is Beyond Pod. Between you and me, the Marillion Podcast, I'm Paul Rose. I'm here with my dear wife Sanya. They're dumb. <laughs> okay. What did you want to say? I just need to tie this to the pole because it's. <laughs> what do you mean? The wire. I forgot to clip it to the microphone stand. Okay, that's all going to sound great on the podcast. That's what I said. Can I interrupt you? There we go. Great. Everyone Hopefully enjoy that noise. Don't touch it again. Don't touch it again. Well, as is tradition. Or becoming tradition with the Beampod podcast, uh, we're going to start with a bit of uh, an hour before it's dark news. Ooh. Oh, oh, well, we had some Exciting. lyrics. We had some lyrics revealed this week, didn't we? We did, and you, when I told you about it, when I, I only saw it this morning, I told you about it, and you didn't seem that interested. That's because I'd already you said could have been could be from any song. Well, it's, no, what I didn't say that. No, actually, you didn't. You said literally, we, yes. both, we both thought it would be from Care. Yeah, I, why are you lying? Why would you lie like that? <laughs> you said something. That's so weird. You said something dismissive. Something I said, like, yeah, I think what I said was, yeah, I've already seen it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. No, it was more something like... Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. that could mean anything mm. or something like that. Look, I can't find what... <laughs> What was it in? It was was on Facebook. It wasn't a whole lyric. It was like four lines. Yeah, it wasn't. And it was something. It was something like um, it was all a bit kind of Neverlandy, wasn't it? Or you know, kind of. Oh, you all love me, and it makes me feel great. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's how it went. Oh, I love it when lots of people love me. <laughs> oh, I do, Mrs. Worthington. I love being loved as the singer of Marillion. I'm just trying to fill time while Sanya looks up this it's, lyric. Well, I can't find it in Lucy's Friday oh, questions. Oh, look, everyone, so... I've sung you basically the gist. You can go and find it. It was Marillion Lyric Day. Hang on, hang on. And Lucy Let's look on the decided page. to post a mysterious lyric from one of the songs on the new album that was probably Care. You found, found it. it. Right, found go on, it. you can read it out then. Don't forget to love me as much as you can. <laughs> Don't. Don't. Even the noise makes me anxious. Now you know how I feel when you do that bird hand thing. No one can see what you're doing. Well, you make your hand look like a bird and you make it look like it's going to swoop at me. What kind of bird? Do you know? In my head, it's a goose. Oh, in my head, it's like a swan. Or no, something. it's a goose. Because it's got a long neck. Yeah, goose. Could be a goose. Anyway, oh, fair enough. would you like to read the lyric out? 
These are the days that will flash before our eyes at the end. These are the moments burned into the sacred places of our hearts. Thank you for making me truly, truly alive. <laughs> oh, I hope that you love me. <laughs> I love it when people love, love me. me. and I'll never forget it. So, oh, but I've got an endless pit in my heart. <laughs> oh, God. Stop it. Stop it. Move <laughs> Unsubscribe. On. It's, a lo- it's a lovely lyric. No, it's a lovely lyric, yes. Yeah, these are the days. These are the days that will flash before our eyes at the end. Yep. These are the moments burned into the sacred places of our hearts. Thank you for making me truly, truly alive. Aw. It's nice. It uh, does read a little bit like wedding vows, doesn't it? Oh. I didn't think that, but... Well, it doesn't rhyme. Real lyrics rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) Like a limerick. (laughs) Well, you don't know. Maybe the lyrics that come afterward, after that rhyme anyway I, li- I like it so far yeah i, I like, like what so i like what i'm hearing talking of things that i like uh hearing uh, on eon music there was a new interview with the boy rothers um i swear to god right rothers you're swearing to god i'm swearing to god I, I i do wonder if rothers is just like a complete maverick who operates outside the meridian system for the most part what do you mean I just get the sense that no one really knows what his deal is. He seems to love his solo bandmates. Is that because a lot of them keep saying, I don't know what his deal well, is? Well, there is that. I, yeah. H, I never know what he's doing. H on his podcast. Look, let's let's be candid about this, right? Mm. H on his podcast seems a little bit hurt by the fact that Rothers doesn't talk to him ever. Right? Yeah. And it was only during the 1989 tour that Rothers and H seemed to have any degree of relationship. According to things... H has said on his podcast and Rothers will just sort of disappear or just sit in the corner on his phone. Pardon me, Windy Pops. Not talking to anyone. Uh, and H seems... I get the sense H is a little bit hurt by it, that he doesn't mm. have more of a relationship with Rothers. That's the sense I get. That's, yes. I may be completely wrong, but yes. that's the sense I get. Um, and then Rothers does his little recent solo show where he's putting up photos of his solo band and saying these these guys are like a second family to me. And then he does like another interview where he calls them his best friends. I've never seen him refer to Marillion <laughs> like that, Ouch. ever, ever. Oh, no. And so those two things, it's making me a bit sad. It, it almost feels like Rothers is, uh, I don't know. I mean, when you read some of the... There's, there's a quote in this interview, right? right. Which... I'll read it. I'll read okay, it to read you, it, right? Read and it we to can us. add it to this mountain of evidence. Okay. <laughs> so, um, right. So let me go down to to where he's talking about radiation, okay? Um, because he he's asked uh, he's asked about the radiation remix and how he says he thought Mike Hunter did a great job, but he says the original album I struggled with. I was under a lot of pressure to have a different approach in terms of guitar sounds, and I did my best. I think the original mixes of the album just didn't have the magic, maybe that some of our other releases have had. And then then the interviewer asked, you said you were under pressure to approach playing differently. Was that from yourself, the band, or the producer? Rather says, there was just... How can you say in a politically correct way... There is a feeling within certain elements that my guitar sounds, I should try and do something a little bit more high energy and raw. Oh. Um, and then he goes on to explain, maybe they had a point, the whole Roland chorus sound that I'd used since Fugazi, basically Rother's signature sound um, right. that I loved and fell in love with. Yeah. Um, it was considered by some elements that oh. uh, it, it wasn't what Meridian should be sounding like anymore. Um, so, but as he says, but you know, you can find a happy medium. And I think something like Born to Run has the best of both worlds. You don't have to throw everything away that you've built up over the previous 30 odd years. But anyway, it was good to experiment, but I like to think that I know what is a good guitar sound, as you would as a guitarist of yeah, 30 wow. years. So, someone did, someone, well, thought his guitar playing sounded a bit dated, didn't they? Oh, no. Who do you think that was, Sonia? <laughs> <laughs> Given there wasn't a producer on that album. 
Yeah, when the, the question was, or oh, the producer, I was wasn't a producer th- I was on thinking, that album. Well, there wasn't a producer. No, no. So Who some, do you think it was? H. <laughs> I'm just saying it's H. I might be wrong, but I think it was H. And that's why he hasn't spoken to him since. <laughs> well, mystery solved. Uh, yeah, there we are. Uh, um, I mean, I, I, oh, that's, hang on, cat toys. Oh, what are you doing? No, it, I it thought was it was our sponsor, Sponsy the Sponsor Chicken. I don't know where he is. He's down there somewhere. Anyway, so um, he's also asked about the new album. Mm. Um, uh, bah, 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 where he... I've, I've got to find it. Here he is. So he says, I can't really tell you anything without giving anything away. He says, it's got some of my favourite moments from any Meridian song on one song in particular. The end section, I think, is probably the most moving thing that we've ever done. Wow. That's nice, isn't it? He says, yeah. Some great guitar solos. Loads of guitar on the record. It is quite rocky in places. Okay, that gives me uh, nausea. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Quite a few power chords adding to the general rock and roll mayhem of it again. No, no, power chords. Okay. At times it's quite sort of modern sounding, but not trendy, but at the same time quite fresh and interesting and exciting. So then he's asked, Mm. what Marillion album... Mm. Would you compare it to? And he says, this is this is good. He says, maybe you could hint at it with Afraid of Sunlight made in the style of fear. Ooh. I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. I got a little bit nervous there in case he said Marillion.com. But um, <laughs> no, Afraid of Sunlight made in the style of fear. I like that. Yeah, me too. Good enough. That's very promising. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we'll see. Mm. We'll see. This, this, uh, the hype keeps being sort of drip fed to yes, us, doesn't it? Yes, they're doing it very carefully and um, slowly. Yeah, and every week we get a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. See, Lucy knows what she's doing. She does. Which is interesting. She should have been there back in the... Well, funny you should say that because here we are now in the era of Lucy. Oh, okay. Um... This is what we're going to talk about. We've got finally got to anarachnophobia after, you know, 12 years of talking about Marillion.com. <laughs> we're finally out we're of the castle years, forward. everyone. We're out of the castle years. Thank ah. God. Things are looking up. Um, it's a sunny day. There are no magpies in sight. There were two. There were two, which is a good sign. Good sign. Yeah. No one's about to tickle or stab Don't. you. Every time you say tickle, my, honestly, seriously, the back of my neck goes, crunches. Oh, don't even see say a chiropractor. it. No, I don't. I need, I, well, yeah, now I'll probably freak out if a chiropractor came at me with his hands. <laughs> don't tickle me. I'm not I'm a chiropractor. What are you talking about? Stop t- <laughs> Imagine that. What are you doing? You're going to lay down and a chiropractor and he comes in and he's like, and you're like, what are you doing? Touch me. What did you think was going to happen, sir? Oh. Anyway, so, anarachnophobia. What do you know about it other than what you've listened to? Not much. Not much? No. There's nothing that you know that's significant about anarachnophobia. The, was it about crowdfunding? Yes, dear. It's the album that changed music industry history. There you go. You said it perfectly. And it did. This is This is not... Uh, this is not an exaggeration. I wasn't sure why I hesitated was because I wasn't sure whether anarachnophobia was crowdfunded or this is when they started crowd. Of course it was anarachnophobia that was crowdfunded. Yeah. Yeah. I I was like, or this is when they started crowdfunding for the album after anarachnophobia, but that would make no No. sense. No, no, no. So what happened? They, they were at the end of their um, castle deal. They had three album deal with castle. Um, and their albums were all sort of selling around the seventy to 80,000 mark, but each of, well, basically every eight-year album had sold slightly less than the one before it. But they seem to have like a core of about 70,000 fans, hardcore, who would just buy everything. That's pretty good going. It is, but what happens is you then have to put out an album every year without a producer. Right. Because you can't afford yes. to do anything else. Yeah. And look how that worked out. Yeah. You then, you know, 30 years later, uh, a couple of idiots on a podcast just like slag you off for months on end. <laughs> yeah, nobody uh, wants that. Nobody wants that. So their first instinct was to speak to record companies, including Castle. Mm. 
Mm. Um, but they had this slightly weird situation where they were Rod Smallwood, who was their manager. Uh, Castle was also his his label, so they were negotiating. Basically, Rod Smallwood was negotiating with himself. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> yeah, um, and on top of that, you know, other other labels, they kind of saw Marillion as a safe bet. Mm. Uh, you know, they they could get X amount of sales. They knew that because it was quite clear that there was this hardcore there. Um, but they weren't kind of offering kind of a particularly attractive advance or a package that Meridian felt was beneficial, that the record label would take a huge chunk of money and wouldn't necessarily put it into sort of promotion or stuff like that. Meridian themselves were getting better at that promotion. You know, things like the... the um, the database that they'd built up with the bonus or the, you know, the mailing disc for uh, Meridian.com, mm-hmm. where they managed to kind of get about 30,000 names on this mailing list off the back of that. Mm. So they were sort of saying, well, what, you know, what, what the hell do we do? You know, we, none of these deals are lucrative or feel like they'll invest in the future of the band. You know, Meridian, I think at that time was seen as sort of, you know, they're old and, kind of been knocking around a while and weren't growing as, a, as an outfit. So so uh, it was Mark Kelly who kind of put two and two together and said, we've got this database. We managed to get a, a tour to America crowdfunded a few years ago. We need this much money for uh, recording, which they kind of put at about £200,000. Um, so they messaged everyone on I think their main list and the freaks list, the online news groups, saying, would you buy an album in advance? And resoundingly, people went, yeah. Uh, and that's what happened. Wow. For the first time in music history, uh, an album was being paid for two years before it came out. That was the level of faith. Yeah. Uh, wow. And He must have... Felt pretty good about himself for coming up with that idea. Yeah, yeah. So it's Mark Kelly, basically. I mean, what a brainwave, can... yeah. So what, what ultimately happened was they sold 12,674 copies of the album, priced at £16. And for all of those people who pre-ordered, got their name in the booklet, they got a special booklet edition of the album, not a kind of standard CD case. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they got a bonus disc, which had on it... Uh, well, it had an extra track called Number One. I mean, not their best song, which I don't think you've listened to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fine. Uh, they had a remix of Between You and Me, good name for a podcast, uh, which by Mark Kelly again, which actually was better than the album version, which was actually the version they then released as a single. Oh, wow. Because everyone went, that's way better than the album version. Uh, and it is. Uh, and then it had some sort of demos and stuff on there. So, I mean, it wasn't the most exciting bonus disc, but, you know... It was a bonus disc, though. It was a bonus yeah. disc. Uh, and, you know, 16 quid at the time, actually, is quite cheap compared to how much you've got to pay now for a million album. But but, um, but it managed to raise about £160,000, something like that. So, and so it's almost not quite enough. enough. It was enough. Oh, no, I tell a lie, £180,000. Oh, okay. Um, right, so ooh, just scraped under their minimum. Which is, in today's money, about 300 grand, something like that. Mm. So it's still a decent it's, chunk yeah, of money to chunk. keep them going through the recording process. Well, but what did they do for that last 20,000? I think you're focusing on it. I mean, when I said they needed 200,000, let's just say that was just a rough ball oh, okay. figure that they plucked out of the air. Right. What did Sorry. they do? They tightened their belts a bit. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think you're focusing on the wrong thing. The point Fine. is, it was a resounding success. Yes. 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 Focus on the positives. I know you struggle with that. <laughs> Focus on the positives. <laughs> Wow, wow, we're talking about this amazing thing that changed music <laughs> industry history. Sanya finds the one negative in it. Well, no, because <laughs> I thought that they needed 200,000 to okay, get that's it made. The specific, like... I'm sure they could have kind of gone, well, we won't, you know, we'll, won't buy a new coffee machine. Uh-huh. Like they did on Brain. Yeah. Remember that story? Yeah, I do, yeah. I do. I got uh, it. I it's got a deep, it. deep reference. Yeah. So having that money in the bank allowed. A few things, aside from the fact it managed to, you know, they managed to keep paying themselves a salary. Uh, they were able to hire a producer. I said that weird, they hire a producer. 
I'm a hot producer. I wish you laughed audibly because people just think I sit here laughing at myself, but you laugh quietly too much. Oh, sorry. So you do a big ha ha when, I, when, when you find you. me funny. It's Say not, that again? Do a big ha ha when you find me funny because people just think you don't. <laughs> like that? Yeah. <laughs> you laugh so much. it though. I'll try it. Let's try it again. No, but. Oh, if... that, that, I'm a harp juicer. <laughs> They're too quiet. Okay. Right, if you want me to laugh audibly, it has to be funny enough to reach the audible level. How hard a producer. <laughs> that, was, that was quiet laugh. What was it? Amusement. Okay, but you're not on camera. They can't say that you're quiet laughing. I'm not going to force out a laugh. All right, just applaud. Right, when I say say it, this... I'll, I, will apl- I shall applaud. <laughs> Let's try it again. Half a producer. Pathetic. Golf clap. Offended. So they were able to hire a producer, and not any old producer, but Dave Megan, arguably the best Meridian producer there has ever been. Yes. Arguably, because, you know, I think there's a case to be made as well for Chris Kimsey. And let's not forget Mike Hunter, who, you know, has given us the last two albums particularly good. Did a great job on the Radiation remix. Um, and for me... Dave Megan being hired immediately made me sit up and take notice because let's not forget where we left me in the story as feeling a little bit jaded as a Meridian fan. True. The fact that I knew Dave Megan was on board, I suddenly was like, okay, you've got my attention. Ah, okay. Uh, So you already had a a glimmer of hope. Well, look, I'd already pre-ordered. The pre-order thing was exciting in and of itself. Um. There was because it was so unique, you know. Mm. It was so it, it that being able to be part of something, mm. um, and invest in something that, you know, I was going to say love, but at that point I didn't necessarily love, but I still loved the idea of Meridian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I still saw them live, and you know, still still love those shows, even when they were hidden behind a net curtain for half the gig. Uh, oh, I keep burping. Um, <laughs> what you do, you're doing it silently, so it's fine. I don't know if they can hear it. <laughs> Might be able to hear it. Uh, you don't have to. I feel conscious now that you're like trying to make your laugh a little bit louder. No, I'm not. Okay, just be normal. No, I am being normal. <laughs> I don't think that was a loud laugh. Don't worry. Just please be normal. So, uh, yeah, the crowdfunding thing had had got my interest anyway and got me kind of, you know, one foot back in the door. And then Dave Megan being hired, I was like, okay, yep, yep, I've opened the door fully now. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also what it did is it, partly as well because they were able to hire Lucy. They hired Lucy, they poached Lucy through me and I gave her a job at Racket as communications manager, uh, which didn't last long because she, you know, is clearly management. Material manager, manager material, right. which you know, yeah. it wasn't long before she, you know, basically took over. Uh, you know, but she she kind of kept, I think, the band on a tighter leash when it came to kind of comments in the press. But also, she was able to kind of use the whole crowdfunding thing to get them stories on the BBC. You know, they, I remember them appearing in a big BBC documentary oh, about, really? the, about the wow. internet. Um, you know, there were there were other bands were kind of ringing up and going, well, well how'd you do this? You know, right. tell us about it. And so all of it, I think the crowdfunding in itself became its own sort of marketing. And and Lucy was able to kind of capitalise on that. Mm. So, so there was excitement around Marillion again. Before we'd even heard like a note of music from this album, it felt exciting. It felt like okay, something's happening here. Something's happening. New news. New life is springing up. Y- yes, yes. That's new life is springing up, or at least it. It felt like they had like a kind of rocket engine behind them again. They were doing something different. And let's not forget, in 1983, when Meridian, you know, kind of first sort of exploded in the public consciousness, what appealed to a lot of people was that they were different to anything else around at the time. Yeah, right, there were other new new prog bands, but you didn't ever have another... You know, there were no other bands making that kind of music. There wasn't another front man like Fish. And then here we are, kind of, you know, 
20 years later, a band doing something completely original, completely. Mm. Yeah. And it's now what's, what's insane is how that's become, in a lot of ways, the norm now. Yeah, it really took off. They started something huge. And it was what was really timely about it. And really, um, you know, without it, you wouldn't have, you know, Patreon and Kickstarter. Oh, oh, talking of which, uh, yes. if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you'll get the podcast early. Occasionally we do do a bonus episode. Um, you can find that at www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. Also, also, if you like, if you like... Because you've been inspired by Meridian. If you, yes, you would like to be part of a new <laughs> pre-order campaign for a thing, and you happen to like old video games, uh, we're crowdfunding. We've got a Kickstarter going at the moment for um, something called Digitizer the Show Level 2, which that's sort of our other thing is Digitizer, but we're going to be doing a uh, yeah a, a, a six-part series on old video games. It will be very silly, very much in the tone of Beampod. And at the moment, it's doing it's absurdly well. We've raised nearly 60 grand in three days That's as we record amazing. this. Amazing. Uh, so, you know, come and come and be part of it and you'll be on the journey with us over the next year. It's very exciting. Anyway, as I was saying, without Marillion doing this, there would have been no Kickstarter. There would have been no Patreon. There would have been, you know, all these bands that, that are kind of uh, uh, even... Even newer bands, you know, Marillion level bands, you know, have been around a while. They they started jumping on that bandwagon. But then also newer bands offer it, you know, all these special editions. And, mm. you know, Stephen Wilson did it for his last album. And it's, there's something really, really cool about crowdfunding that I love is, is that sense of being on the journey with the thing that you're backing. Yeah, you're part of its creation. You're part of it being built. It gives you an ownership over it. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean that, you know, you can then dictate what the eventual thing is like, but it... it but you know, there's, it's kind of like there's a piece of you in that... Yes. ...creation. Yeah, yes, that's exactly it, isn't it? It's yeah. that, that, you know, I help to bring this thing into the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like being a sperm donor, but... Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> well, that's what she said. Yeah, so there's just, there was just, I don't know, everything felt a bit exciting and new Mm. again. Um, There was a lot of buzz. There was buzz. There was buzz. Did you know, though, it wasn't the first crowdfunding thing? Crowdfunding. Yeah, I know. Oh, for all this time, I thought Marillion started crowdfunding. Well, yes and no. Oh. They did in terms of the music industry and creative things, but Mm. uh, if you go on Wikipedia, um, I'm just going to read out what it says on Wikipedia here. Crowdfunding has a long history with several routes. Books have been crowdfunded for centuries. Authors and publishers would advertise book projects. Oh, Jesus Christ. How am I supposed to pronounce that? Prinu- what a stupid word. How do you spell it? P-R-A-E and then numeration. Pre-numeration? I don't even know what Pre-num- that is. Yeah, maybe... What well, add subscription schemes. The book would be written and published if enough subscribers signalled their readiness to buy the book once it was out. Blah, blah, blah. Um, war bonds are theoretically a form of crowdfunding military conflicts. What? Yeah. What? I had no idea that existed. No. Uh, and then and then get this. Um, the, the, the base of the Statue of Liberty was crowdfunded. Uh, a newspaper-led campaign attracted donations from six hundred and sixty thousand donors in eighteen eighty-five to build the base of the yeah to have something to put it on. Wow. Yeah, but and then you go crowdfunding on the internet first gained popular and mainstream use in the arts and music communities. The first noteworthy instance of online crowdfunding in the music industry was in nineteen ninety-seven. I think it was actually later than that. Wikipedia. When fan. Oh no, I tell a lie. Well, I might cut that bit. Um, when fans <laughs> of the British rock band Marillion raised $60,000 in donations for the US tour, basically. Um, and then it says, this built on the success of crowdfunding via magazines, such as the 1992 campaign by the Vegan Society that crowdfunded the production of the Truth or Dairy video documentary. Ah, oh. So they're not even like mentioning Anna favor on there. No, I'm surprised by that. Yeah. 
Oh well. Anyway, so um, so that was all good, wasn't it? Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, you got nothing more to say about it? Well, I had no idea that the Statue of Liberty had been the base of the Statue of Liberty had been crowdfunded. Mm. Base? How low can you go? <laughs> right so, down to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, good one. Thanks. So, although Lucy was on board, mm. not all of it was smooth sailing. In what way? Uh, well, Lucy, this was the first time Lucy demonstrated her uh, ill-judged um, decision to ask a, a fan and journalist to write a press release. Oh, no. Yeah. It wasn't you. It, not this time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and the press release, suffice to say, did not go down Why? Well. What did it say? I'll just read out the whole press release. How can you get a press release that wrong? Well, I did. I did when I wrote the somewhere else press release. Oh dear. Which I have to say, I did kind of base on the anarachnophobia press, press release. release. Oh no. At that point, did you know that the anarachnophobia press release had not gone down? Maybe well? it had passed me, but I read a couple of where it was mentioned in a few reviews. This was right. the thing. Unfortunately, the, the press release wound uh, up some of the some of the reviewers for the mainstream media. Oh, I see. And so it did backfire. Um, I mean, on the one hand, uh, I get why they they wrote it in this way, you know. And apparently, it was it was a mixture of the band's input and this this other guy who was a fan and journalist, mm. like I was. I didn't get any band input, but um, Lucy did rewrite mine. Don't forget. Oh, uh, really? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. She took out. I told, told told this story before about how she took out all my funny stuff. Oh. <laughs> A funny, apparently a funny, funny press release wasn't what she was. <laughs> I didn't know why else she would have asked me. I'm a, I was a comedy writer at the time. Uh, anyway, um, so this is the press release that went out to uh, announce the album. Mm. It started with stop, read, read again, then listen. So if you had that, how would you feel? Stop. Collaborate and listen. Okay. Ice is back with a brand new invention. You're wrong about Marillion. Whatever you thought you knew about this record, forget it. Just put it on and listen to it. That's Steve Hogarth. There aren't many bands in this cynical, money-driven world who have fans as appreciative as, as Marillion's. In fact, it's a struggle to think of any other band who could ask their fan base to pre-order and pay for an album 12 months prior to its release. Well, as it turns out. Most of them do now, but anyway. And then get 12,000 positive replies replete with checks. Clearly they know something that most of the rest of the world apparently doesn't. Anarachnophobia is the band's 12th studio album and it is a contemporary, subtle and extremely relevant collection of tracks created by a band who have gone way past caring what the cynics believe. So if you're expecting an album crowned with self-indulgent and inconsequential prog rock, then you're in for a disappointment. A challenge. This is an important and contemporary album that is light years removed from anything the band have created in their past. It deserves to be reviewed in a manner that is both accurate and fair. So our challenge to you is to firstly listen to the album, then write a review without using any of the following words. Progressive rock, Genesis, Fish, Heavy Metal, Dinosaurs, Predictable, Concept Album. Because if you do, we'll know you haven't listened to it. Your call. Hmm. I can see where that might have been a little bit problematic for the press. It, it does. It, it comes across as a, a little bit, not aggressive, but... Um... It's a little bit, it does come across as a little bit, uh, hmm, yeah, I don't care what you think. Whereas, you But know, also, while... don't do this, don't do that. Yeah. Like, it, instead of, yeah, it, it seems a little bit, it seems to have a bit of a harsh energy to it. On top of that, it, it it's still... We've still got one foot in the whole dismissing the past of the band thing going on there. Mm. You know, throwing out progressive rock. Um, you know, and... Look, you know, it, it, it's... I get why they wrote it like that, but at the same time, it's unrealistic to expect a review of a Marillion album, not to mention 
let's face yeah. it, any of those things. I mean, if I was a <laughs> reviewer, a reviewer reading that, I would have been like, you can't tell me what I can I and can't write. Well, and that's that's precisely what happened. Was a lot of them were like kind of f off, and so gave it a negative review based on the the yeah. press release. Um, so yeah, they weren't quite in. It's almost like it was written. From a defensive place. Yeah, it seems defensive. It, it's it, it's got a really defensive energy to it. Instead of just going, we've got this new album. It's great. Come and give it a listen. You might be surprised. I don't know. I don't write um, press releases. It's almost seems like it's approaching them with a defensive energy. Kind of going like, I know you probably won't like this, but just like you know, give it a chance. But don't use these words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, and I think among it's really loud out there. What's going on? <laughs> I don't know, there's a lot Someone's of banging. clanging a metal barrel. Yeah, it's um, Stomp have moved in <laughs> <laughs> to the house at number one. <laughs> Stomp are here. Stompers in the area. Oh, Stomp's here. Um... <laughs> They've stopped now. Good. I've, I've shamed them into stopping their nonsense. Stopping their stomping. Um, yeah, so I get it. I mean, I feel bad for whoever wrote that press release because I'm sure they were just doing their best. Well, you can feel bad for whoever wrote the Summer Else one as well because he, oh, no. he got ripped apart on the forum. Oh, I no. I just kept my head down. What, so <laughs> did the forums have anything to say about this press I don't release? know. I... I I thought I'd saved it. I can't find it now. Um, there was a, a review on the is it the Dutch Progressive Rock pages, which is a huge site, mm. huge prog rock site. And like one of the reviewers there was like livid at the press release, and that's oh, like no. absolutely biting the hand that feeds it. This is the thing. I think there was just still too much of that whole sense of being ashamed of the past and desperately wanting to be relevant. Right, and, yeah. Um, unfortunately, Meridian... Because there was nothing to be ashamed of in the past. Exactly. The past their past was incredibly successful and well-regarded by a lot of people. Yeah. But, you know, some, some members of the band hadn't been part of that success, let's face it, and perhaps wanted to be successful on their own terms rather than just sort of, you know, successful as part of a, a sort of legacy band. Right. Yeah, you know, wanted their but work you, work to be accepted for what it was, not because it was Marillion. And that can happen, but it doesn't mean you have to negate the past success or no. And it's a shame that that, that they did go it. through that period. Yeah, um, you know, because the thing is, H these days isn't like that. I remember when Fear came out, uh, and he he described how certain tracks on Fear even have a bit of a misplaced childhood feel to them, which I can hear that in, like, the levers. The end of the levers really feels like kind of mid-80s mm, Marillion. Interesting. I thought, oh, the second I heard it, I went, wow, that could have really? come misplaced childhood. Huh. Um, I'll have to re-listen. And it was H who said that, so he's okay wow. with it these days. Right. Um, but, yeah, you know, I get it. I get why he felt like that. But, uh, anyway, in my digging at, th- at the end of the uh, Between You and Me press release... They, they added some reviews from various publications. So Rock Sound gave Anomatophobia 5 out of 5. Hard Rocks, with two X's, gave it 9 out of 10. Uh, Kerrang! gave it 4 out of 5. These are all great responses. Yeah, well, they're not going to the cra- so is... put the crap ones in, are they? So this is um, for just the song Between for You and single, Me, yeah. not, not for the album. So Classic Rock gave it 4 out of 5. And um, Channel 4 Teletext gave it 8 out of 10. Oh, how much out of 10? 8 out of 10. Oh, Channel 4 Teletext only gave it an 8 out of 10. And the reviewer... Right. Who was that, Sonia? The reviewer... I'm just a bit flabbergasted that the reviewer would only give it 8 out of 10 when other places had given it 4 out of 5 and 5 out of 5. Do you want to hear what the reviewer had yeah, to say? Yeah, I need to hear what this reviewer's going to say now. Uh, he said, Doves, U2, Radiohead, Massive Attack, The Lars... Just some of the bands one would not have expected to be name-checked in this review. But Anarachnophobia confirms that the new Meridian are one of UK music's most sublime secrets. 
21st century is a dubby groove that builds to a tear-jerking climax. Quartz is a psychotic funk monster. And between you and me comes over like the better-looking sibling of U2's Beautiful Day. Embrace the anorak. Ooh. Who, oh, so, whatever happened so to that? Whatever happened to that so the teletext, handsome young reviewer? So the Teletext reviewer was reviewing the whole album. Why don't we just say, just... Well, say it was me? Say it was me. It was me. I wrote that. Oh. So I was well in a really impressed release. But I'm confused uh, why you why you wrote a review for the whole album and the other reviews were just for Between You and Me, the single. They weren't. I, di- I didn't read out the rest of the reviews. Oh. They were reviews for, for, for the album. Oh. I just didn't, they were long. I didn't read them out. Teletext only had 60 words per page. So it was, and also I wrote it so I thought I could read it out. It was a very well written review. Thank you. Thank you. Glorious review. Um, why did I only give and it 8 also, out of 10? And also, 8 out of 10, it's fine, because I know that you are a notoriously hard marker, so your 8 out of 10 is everyone else's 9 out of 10. Well, generally back or 10 out of when 10. I was reviewing Meridian albums for Teletext, because I only ever reviewed Meridian and Fish albums for Teletext, no other music, because <laughs> uh, their in-house reviewers didn't want to review them. Um, I always used to give high marks. I think 8 out of 10 is like a big high mark, but... It is for you, yeah. But that's, uh, you know, it's, it's got if my heart was a ball on there, which I don't Oh, like. so that dropped it down to an eight. Well, yeah, I can't, sorry, I couldn't in all good conscience give that album like nine or ten out of ten when it's got that on there. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, even then, even even oh. when I was trying to sell it to other people. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I, well, yeah. Because that oh, would be brilliant. that would be someone might get it and then kind of hear that song and go, "What the hell?" This can't be ten. I mean, let's be 10. honest. You know, we'll get to it next week when we're talking about the album properly. Mm. But let's be honest. I mean, what what is if my heart were, were a ball? What is that? What genre is that? What is it? It doesn't matter what genre it is. It just matters whether you like the overall sound of it or not. As an album, as a whole. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get into the weeds of it yet. A lot of the songs are too long for me. Um, and I'll say this now ahead of next week. And I'll mention which one. I mean, you probably know which ones if you've heard the album. But, yeah, I think I think um, Quartz is too long. I think you could cut a bit out of uh, This is the 21st Century. So this is, so uh, it lost it lost a mark for If My Heart Were a Ball and it lost a mark for Song Length. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. Fair enough. But I'm going to say this now up front, just in case anyone thinks I'm going to start slacking off the album next week and we get letters complaining that we've got an anti-H bias or something. Uh, What I will say is that excitement that I sort of talked about being in the air, I think you can hear it on the album. I think think when you listen to that with headphones and really concentrate, and I think I picked up on that when I heard it for the first time. When I got it, I mean, it was exciting because it came in a, that nice packaging. The packaging's lovely. You know, mm. it was really a nice sort of hardback book thing, which no Meridian album had, had done that before. You know, the closest we got were the This Strange Engine Meridian.com packaging, but that was sort of flimsy and cheap. This was like hardback and yeah, okay, my name was in it. So it's like, well, my name's on this album. I'm gonna kind of, you know, give it give it a chance. Uh, you know, with nice sort of artwork in there and all of it. It felt special when it arrived. Mm. It really did. Uh yeah, and it was a two-disc thing. And all of that helped kind of have, have goodwill towards the album, I think. But I could hear... It felt like it was like a progression from Marillion.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I could still hear that they sounded like that same band they had been for the last few albums. And it felt like it was an evolution of that. But you, for me, you can hear a, a kind of confidence on it and a... The production is is phenomenal. It's an incredibly mm. good sounding album. Yeah, um, you, you know, can hear the difference certainly getting Dave in the Meagan production back. from um, the difference in production from Marillion.com to Anarachnophobia. But when you there's turn it up, when you turn it up loud, it's like there's so much going on mm. in each song. And on top of that, this is the album that you know it's Pete's album. Yeah, that's really clear it's really clear that this is pete's album and you know his bass playing on it is just phenomenal and that is partly as as dave megan has said and as h has said on his podcast pete had quit drinking and was kind of more engaged with the world 
again after you know a period of when perhaps he wasn't you know Dave Megan talked on Corona Diaries recently about how the Pete that he knew from Brave and Afraid of Sunlight was completely different to the one that he encountered on Anarachnophobia and and uh, Marbles you know Mm. that he was apparently just like fizzing with ideas and it's like he'd come back to life yeah and you can hear it and because that rhythm section is so much the 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 beating heart of Marillion yeah having Pete so engaged with it it makes a difference to that album what I will say is that for me there's still and as I say we'll go through it track by track next week it's still in places um, experiments a bit too far for me there are places where I kind of go that's not really what I want from Marillion um, what in the sense that you don't feel they were being true to themselves? No, I mean I think they were. You know they clearly wanted. You know, and I'm talking sort of stuff like uh, separated out. Let's face it. You know, a song like separated out, but it's them being we're being a rock band again, which is you know again as we we've discussed is why I'm slightly nervous about the new right. album. Yes, because I don't think they're the best people to do that. However. On this album, they're doing it better than they have done for years. Yeah. You know, Separated Out really kicks ass. And Fruit of the Wild Rose, which is, I mean, what I don't even know what you call it, a sort of slightly bluesy kind of shuffle kind of thing. Not my favourite song, but listening to it recently, I kind of go, yeah, I think I'm starting to kind of click with it. and Because mm. it, it's so well written and so well produced and so well played yeah coming to the album i was convinced i didn't like it and every time i've listened to it i've really enjoyed it through the wild road yeah Yeah, it's weird i've never enjoyed it gotten stuck in my head never really enjoyed it live what is going on yeah yeah live i it's been okay but i've never really loved it or fully gotten into it yeah so i was convinced that it was going to be one of my least favorites of, of the album and uh yeah, it turns out that it's it's all right, it is. It's all right. And yeah. Quartz uh, is one of those songs that, for me, doesn't sound like anything they've done, but it doesn't sound like anything they've done in the right way. Mm. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. It, so in, you're saying it still sounds like, it's still very marillion Yeah. But in a very different way. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I kind of i I would put quartz and house in the same sort of category. Well, they both sound quite modern, don't they? I suppose mm. uh, modern for then. You know, quartz I think still ha- holds up today. I think quartz. Oh, absolutely. Quartz as a song because it's so it's so different to anything really. That start the um, bass. Do you say bass riff? What do you say? That yeah, bass. that bass. Yeah, it's, it's the song that's entirely driven by Pete. It's yeah, it's phenomenal yeah. in quartz. Yeah, it's very iconic. Yeah, and it took me a while to kind of get into it because it was so different, and I kind of went, uh, okay, but but it's it's a Meridian classic. I you know I I think, mm. but in a totally different way because to, it stands out from everything else. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, it it is it's. It's in it. It's in a sort of category of one. There's no other Meridian song since that sounds anything like Quartz, or before, uh, and that's for me is is why it, I consider it a sort of classic. But it's yeah, it's a different song in the right way. It's them stretching themselves and what they can do, um, but not into sort of territory that belongs to other people. Mm. which is where separated yes. out I, kind I know of what go, you mean yeah we're separated yeah. out i kind of go well there's loads of songs like that aren't there mm. you know whereas quartz less so yeah true and that's i think it's really unique yeah so um so yeah it, it's i think it was a stepping stone towards marbles they weren't quite there yet for me with anorak but it was a step in the right direction mm. That yeah. they nailed with marbles far and away. So it was exciting times. It really was. There were still some 
dodgy H quotes floating around. Oh, no. Uh, you know, he really? was still banging on about introducing black influences and, <laughs> oh, no. and seemed to think he'd turn into Eminem on quartz when he does that spoken word bit by sort of saying, oh, oh even breaking him a rap at one point. It's like, not, it's oh, not really a rap, no. Steve. It's not really a... I wouldn't have classified that as a rap. It's not really that, is it? Uh, was that meant to be a rap? Yeah. Oh. Cringing so hard. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but we'll, we might we might talk about some of that next week. Yeah, when we get into the the, the songs. Yes. So that sounds uh, good. So that's it for this week. It's a short episode. Probably our shortest episode. Is it? No, we've done other we've done other ones in the early days. Yeah. We did we did some forty five minute ones. Oh. Oh, dropped. perfect timing perfect because timing. the anchor has awoken. Yeah. <laughs> The anchor, she said, by the way. <laughs> what did it sound like? <laughs> they know. Oh, God, Sanya. Oh. oh, God, no, I didn't mean that. Wow. The, the, oh, okay, the your, anchor Your has, own daughter. An- your own daughter. The anchor has... No. Stop repeating it. Repeating it isn't making it but better. You, you always say anchor. I always say dragging the anchor around. Yeah, it... Well... Yeah, the anchor. You can't has dig yourself out of this hole. This is a perfect time again. to end the podcast. Right, everyone, uh, support us on Patreon if you want these episodes early and the occasional, uh, you know, bonus one. Uh, go check out our Kickstarter. You might like what you see. Especially if um, you're into retro video games. Yeah, digitize the show level two, it's called. Um, you can start writing to us about anamachnophobia, uh, beampod at gmail.com. Just bear in mind. We probably won't read out every single letter that we get because we used to do that and we realised that three weeks' worth of letters was too much. Fair enough. So I'd love to know... I'd love to know people's um, experience of the the pre-order and whether Anorak kind of reignited their interest in the band and what they remember of that time, specifically. Not necessarily what people think of the album track by track but certainly just general thoughts how it felt to keep be, it brief we might be able to get through all of them how it felt to be part of the crowdfunding campaign yes and have you crowdfunded anything else why oh, don't you yeah. go and crowdfund That's... us and then write that in your letter that i just crowdfunded <laughs> digitize at the show level too right on that enough enough self-promotion don't do that no that sounds now you're going to come up me with a knife Right, everyone, we'll talk to you next week. See you later. Bye-bye.